0: Welcome back to Hair the Werewolf, a supernatural and horror-themed podcast. I'm Chase, and I'm here with Lily. Hey! And each episode, we attempt to scare each other with research stories from around the world, and admittedly a few that are from out of this world. So take a seat and grab a drink and join us. I'm going classic today. Uh, Actually, Lily's also going classic today. We got us some glasses of eggnog. Oh, yes. Nogging it up. Hers actually has liquor in it. Mine's non-alcoholic eggnog. Yeah,
1: I decided to put whiskey. No, not rum. I know it's sad, but it's whiskey today.
0: When I was a kid, I thought some of the things, there were some things I thought were just facts. Things that I have learned in my later years were not even remotely true, and one of those relates to eggnog. I thought everyone drank eggnog on the holidays. Like, I thought everybody did it. Like, you just drank eggnog. You
1: know, I thought so too, but like, I just figured, and I know this is going to sound wild, but... Because I usually spent Christmases in Mexico, I'm like, ah, oh, well, it's because we're Mexican. Maybe we don't do the eggnog <laughs> thing. <laughs> well, at least I just realized my family didn't, or I never really saw anyone drink it. But we did like, uh, uh like I don't know what you say, like ponche, like a like a punch, uh-huh. a, hot, a hot punch. Oh, yeah, I had, a, had like all, all the chunks
0: of stuff in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was really good.
1: That's what I remember.
0: But to me as a kid... Everyone drank eggnog on the holidays. And, and it wasn't just that you did it on the holidays. I thought everybody loved it. I found out that was 100% not true. Yeah. <laughs> and as Lily can attest to viewers, she always jokes that I apparently grew up in like a 1950s bubble.
1: It was picturesque for sure.
0: Whereas all my, all my friends grew up in the normal 80s and 90s, I <laughs> apparently had some weird 1950s flair. And I discovered that not only does very few people mm-hmm. drink eggnog, and it should be do instead of does, but anyway. Most people don't drink it cuz they hate it.
1: Yeah, that's what I was shocked about. I'm like, I really like it. I don't. It's just like a treat.
0: Yeah, it seems like eggnog died like when the 60s came along. People yeah. are like, we're done with this. Yeah. And so Give me them shrooms. It breaks my heart cuz I apparently have that 1950s palate. Like, I also like root beer, which I have discovered as an adult most people hate, which I find is just crazy. So yeah, eggnog is one of those things that I absolutely love it and I feel bad that people don't like it because I feel like they're missing out on something
1: something. Sweet. Yeah, and I remember like looking at it at the store and I just knew I was gonna like it. Even before I tried it. I'm like, one day I'll try it and it'll mm. be delicious. And I was right. I yeah. just I just like sweets. Sweet stuff. Anything sweet,
0: here I am. Yeah. I mean I don't want to drink it on Fourth of July. I mean, I think it feels very seasonal to me. It feels very occasional.
1: Well, it's so thick. I can't Uh imagine drinking anything like this when it's hot.
0: It's darn thick. I would cry. In fact, what my dad would do, because he always bought the non-alcoholic eggnog, he would dilute it 50-50 with normal milk. uh, (laughs) First, I
1: thought you were going to say liquor. I was like, oh, (laughs) dang. my dad
0: didn't drink. (laughs) Uh, No, just to make it thinner. And so... The first eggnog I drank tended to be really mild, yeah. and it wasn't until college when I bought real alcoholic eggnog, I'm like, damn, this is
1: like drinking cream. It's it's a lot. It's a lot.
0: And now I love it. But anyway, <laughs> so whatever you guys got to drink, be it some coffee or beer or whatnot, sit down, because I think Lily's got a doozy of a story that took her a long time to research. Not quite I as long it's... as the gap between episodes would imply, <laughs> but a long time to research No, I was this.
1: not uh, reading that entire time. Could you imagine...
0: We just want to make sure we got out one last good episode before New Year's for you guys. Yeah. So.
1: And it's a it's a good one, I think. So this is the story of Eastern Airlines flight four oh one.
0: Bored. I'm what? just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Wait, Eastern
0: Airlines. So where does Eastern Airlines fly out of?
1: Um, I've never heard of Eastern Airlines. So from what I understand, it's more East Coasty.
0: Oh so it is an American. It it wasn't like some oh, other yeah. country that has an Eastern Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, anyone stick. who's
0: listened, who's flown up like, how do you not know what this is, like, you idiot?
1: Wow, losers!
0: I'm from I'm from New Mexico. We fly Southwest 99 percent <laughs> of the time, and we hate
1: it. And we stress. <laughs> yeah. Get that seat. So the tragic accident that befell on December 29th, mm-hmm. 1972. Okay. And the strange sightings that occurred thereafter. Ooh. So here's the thing. Some alien stuff. I don't in know here? if you notice this, but today is the 29th while we're recording.
0: Oh, so this is the exact day.
1: Oh, right yeah but this happened in 72 so this is like 51 years ago 51 years ago
0: man that's old
1: <laughs> yeah love 51 year old listening to us you bastard <laughs> he's like i'm done unsubscribe, <laughs> I'm done. unsubscribe. Uh, so anyway flying uh obviously is really big in the holidays so if you guys are going to fly very soon or bonus points are listening to this on the plane mm. congratulations this story is terrifying.
0: Try not to scream and get kicked off the flight. <laughs>
1: or immediately shut this off. Just wait a couple hours when you're done with the flight.
0: Yeah, we're looking out for you guys. <laughs> we got you.
1: So Eastern Airline Flight 401 was scheduled to leave JFK Airport in New York to Miami International Airport at 9.20 p.m. The plane was a Lockheed L-1011 TriStar, whatever that means to you.
0: So wait, 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 wait. Out of JFK? Yes. in 1971... So that, it ha- if I'm not mistaken, I might have my history weird, it would have just been renamed because I think before JFK was- I don't, um,
1: it could have been- Because it was
0: Idlewild before JFK, it got renamed JFK, and it would have been renamed JFK until after he was shot.
1: I could have also been reading it as in, like, this is how we know it's just so you know what airport it is, because mm. I wouldn't be saying the old name right now.
0: That's true. That's true. Anyway, okay. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
1: But anyway, so this plane was recently introduced as one of the biggest commercial planes at the time. So who was on this flight? It carried 163 passengers, 13 crew members, which was like 100, 176 total.
0: Man, that's a lot of crew for a plane. Well,
1: it's a big plane. It's a big boy.
0: I was thinking two pilots and three stewardesses, still only five people.
1: I wonder if because, like,
0: maybe
1: it was the 70s they had more crew members at the time.
0: And maybe there would have been other pilots who were just, because a lot of pilots will get on a plane as a passenger to fly Mm -hmm. to another airport because they're flying Mm -hmm, from there. Maybe mm -hmm. that's what's happening. Or maybe, we don't know, but there's, like, other crew members working on a plane we don't know about, like, an engineer, like, suspended in (laughs) the wing, like, with a wrench, like, fixing things. Oh, yes. Straight out of a cartoon.
1: Are you sure it's not like a woman churning butter on the wing? Because I feel like that's also part of it.
0: Uh,
1: Ah, yes. Butter churning on flights. The good old days. (laughs) Okay, so you don't have to remember the numbers because I'll remind you Mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. Trust me. There were four people in the cockpit that night. A 55-year-old Captain Robert Albin Albin? Loft, also known as Captain Bob, was... (laughs) Well, that's what he liked to be referred to as. He had this
0: huge-ass long name. Just like, just call me the shortest thing or just call me Bob.
1: (laughs) One syllable, easy. Now, he was rated 50th in seniority, also had 32 years of experience, and over 30,700 flight hours logged. Mm, So this guy was top-notch. There was also 45-year-old co-pilot Captain Bert Stockstill, Mm -hmm. 51-year-old engineer Don Repo, and 47-year-old technical officer Angelo Donadeo, Technically, Donadeo wasn't working that night. He had joined them because he needed to fly to Miami to to close out his flight. And because he worked for the airlines, he can just, like, tag along. Sure, sure, sure. There was also another guy, uh, another pilot who was there, but he was in the first class section, so Mm -hmm. he wasn't anything to do with what happened in the cockpit that night. Gotcha. Now, what you were talking about earlier, about pilots, like, just kind of flying on a plane without being part of the crew, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called deadheading. So that's what I'm going to be referring to it. Cause later it becomes important. You'll see. All right. This would have been the kind of flight that people dreamt about. Everything was going smoothly. And there were 3 not just three, but four people in the field working in the cockpit that night that were incredibly yeah, qualified. So like
0: three pilots could have heart attacks. And the fourth guy is still like, I got they, this.
1: They can still like probably figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I watched a YouTube video called, um, well, I don't remember the name, but the guy was Mr. Balin. Balin. <laughs> Balin. Don't know, Balin. I like to think Balin. And he had a lot of useful information, which I watched before stumbling the official Eastern Airline website that was incredibly detailed. And honestly- So they're still
0: around then, too, the, the airlines.
1: Um, you know what? I actually forgot to look that up. Now you, that said you said you that ran
0: across their website, so I figured.
1: Oh, no, 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 no. Their like tribute website to the situation. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eastern Airline 401 website. Okay,
0: specifically for this flight. Okay.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Okay, I'm actually terrified it's like, so I don't know this flight. I probably <laughs> should.
1: Yeah, it was actually, well, we'll get into that. All right, so two hours have passed without issue, and it was 11.32 p.m. when the plane approached Miami Airport for landing. The pilot lowered the plane's landing gear, but Captain Stocksdale noticed that one of the landing gear's green light did not turn on, Mm -hmm. indicating it didn't deploy. Yeah. The left and right wing lights were on, but the nose landing gear was still off. So they tried turning it on and off again, as we do. But once again, the damn light wouldn't turn on. This started to cause a bit of concern. The pilots radioed the tower and told them of the situation and they needed to investigate and just, you know, we can't land. Well, the tower instructed them to do a holding pattern over the Everglades away from the traffic. For those that may not know, that's what a holding pattern is. It's Mm -hmm. just like it, it, it... Just because you're in a holding pattern, just so everyone knows, does not mean there's an emergency on the plane. It just means like someone else is landing right now and you have to wait. So once in a position, the plane was set on autopilot for 2,000 feet at around 200 miles per hour and proceeded to investigate the issue. I think I said this earlier, but they're holding this pattern over the Everglades and that'll come important in a second. A couple of things were happening at this point. First, both pilots were focused on the light. They were trying to remove the light assembly panel thing and just fiddled with it because they were convinced that the fault was in the light, not the landing gear. Yeah,
0: they they thought maybe the landing gear had actually gone down.
1: Exactly, because this plane is brand new. They're just like, Mm -hmm. maybe a fuse went out. I don't know. But despite this, they still had to be like 100% sure. Yeah. Captain Bob turned to Don Repo and told him to go down into the hellhole to check whether or not it was deployed because there's like a little peephole that you can see Mm -hmm. the landing gear. Now, the hellhole is a little maintenance room located below the cockpit. Mm-hmm. There's like a little latch door or ladder. You just go down it. Great idea, right? Except the moment Captain Bob turned to talk to Repo, he accidentally knocked the controls and disengaged the autopilot setting. Dun-dun-dun. The plane was only in their assigned altitude for 80 seconds before elevation dropped 100 feet. And from then on, the plane descended so gradually that no one noticed. After a few minutes, the plane descended 250 feet, which did trigger the altitude warning that was located under the. They
0: have. um, Yes.
1: But it was located at the time, again, 72, in the engineer's workstation. Unfortunately, Repo was in the hellhole and didn't see or hear the few beeps the alarm would have given off. Oh, no. And thus was unable to inform the pilots, right? 50 more seconds passed, and the plane was now at half its assigned altitude. Now, if you're like me, you're like, hasn't anyone noticed that we're super low on the ground now? Here's the thing. It's pitch black outside. It's at night. There's no moon, and they were flying over the Everglades. For those that may not know, the Everglades is a massive natural flooded grassland. It's 7,800 square miles, or 20,000 kilometers, and there wasn't any light for miles and miles. It was so pitch black that Rebo was unable to see the landing gear that was right in front of him in the, the hellhole. Meanwhile, back in the cockpit, these were the last words uttered before they crashed. Stockstill, we did something to the altitude. Bob, what? Stockstill, we're still at 2,000 feet, right? Bob, hey, what's happening here? Less than 10 seconds later, this exchange, the cockpit microphone picked up on... Altimeter alarm going off, and then the sounds of initial impact. Air traffic control tried reaching out to flight 401, but there was no answer, and after a few attempts, they received a message from another aircraft, and they said, Miami Tower, this is National 611, we just saw a big explosion. Looks like it was out west. I don't know what it means, but I thought you should know. In that same moment, Robert Bud Marquis and his friend Ray Dickinson were out on their Airboat cruising the Everglades and catching frogs,
0: like like with the fan, like a pontoon, yeah, like those big,
1: uh, poofy air filled boats, right? Aren't they like
0: well, there's some that I mean, you don't mean a hovercraft, I assume. I think you mean, (laughs) I think you mean because we said air filled. I was like, I think you mean like
1: they're light, they're very light. It's
0: like the big sled with a giant fan that just blows it around, mostly, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think they use those because I could be wrong, but a normal motorboat which has the propeller underwater. In the Everglades, there's so many things mm-hmm. under the shallow water, it could get caught, so they need something that propels it from the water. Yeah, so it's like the, a, water. the
1: biggest fan you've ever yeah. seen, just above, right next to them. So it's really loud. It's yeah. not the most comfortable thing to be next to, but it works. So there was no light for miles, like I said, and the two friends managed to see the flash of light just about what they would estimate five miles away. So without hesitation, they bolted in the direction to find out what happened. When the two men arrived, most of the fire had extinguished in the water and the men were able to see, not see anything really, but hear people screaming, crying, and moaning in pain.
0: So wait, let me get this straight. <laughs> You're saying that these people weren't like dead instantly, they could still hear people screaming in pain?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: That's terrifying because usually in most plain accents, people are dying pretty much immediately. Instant, Like exactly. within within. St- Seconds,
1: I think that's what makes this story so interesting because you'll you'll find out why all oh, those okay. reasons okay. are here. Bud had a lamp uh, Bud had a headlamp, and as best as he could, he began to scan the area with the little light he had. The sight was very gruesome. He said in his report, all he could see was body parts sticking out of the water along the plain debris. The Everglades isn't very deep in many areas, as you just said. In some parts of the water, it's only a couple of inches, but it's still incredibly muddy and super difficult to maneuver because mm-hmm. there's just a lot of vegetation, yeah. constantly everywhere. As Bud continued to scan, his light finally locked onto a survivor. It was a man that was still strapped to his seat. His clothes had been completely burned off. He was basically naked. And was it, he burned? Well, I would assume. You know what's interesting? When I heard, or when I was reading a lot about the reports in that official website because they actually went into incredible detail like why this happened and whatever. Most of the survivors were half naked or whatever, like in tattered clothing because the impact was so rough that their clothes either ripped off or they were close enough in the fire that it burned off. And Jesus. so there was a lot of, you know, third-degree burns, whatever degree. And So yeah, people survived. People absolutely survived, yes.
0: All right, keep going.
1: So the guy that they found that was sticking out half in the mud, he kind of yelled out and said, please help me, I can't lift my head up any longer. So he was basically having to adjust in a oh way so he wouldn't drown. So he, like immediately he gets off his boat, gets the guy, pulls him out of the mud as, as quickly as he can, and puts him on the boat. Once the passenger was safely on the boat, they could still hear the cries of other survivors. And so both men did what they could to help. Fortunately, After 30 minutes, the Coast Guard arrived in helicopters. At first, Bud was like, hey, there's help here. Oh, no, they're leaving, because they couldn't find where it was. There There was was
0: no fire burning? No, by this point,
1: everything had extinguished. By 30 minutes, yeah, absolutely. Because it was so dark at night? It was so dark. It was very wet. There was no fire left. So Bud climbed on his boat and swung his helmet light in the air, which eventually did catch their attention. It was so fortunate. I mean... Fortunate in the fact that Bud was even there. Yeah. I mean, obviously he would have a light if he's like frog gigging or whatever doing out there, but like for sure that he was close enough to see what was happening. Even though reinforcement arrived, Bud and his friends stayed all night helping him or helping survivors out of the water. I want to point out how brave this was because... Yeah, no, that's amazing. Yeah, another not-so-fun fact about the Everglades is that it's infested with alligators. Yeah, and they're hungry. Oh, yeah. There are pythons and other types of snakes for sure, but alligators is the big concern here, especially, like, today. There's over 200,000 alligators currently inhabiting the Everglades. Mm-hmm. Is I mean, it's infested. A couple of articles indicated that some didn't die because of the crash, but because the animals... Attacked them.
0: Oh my god. So here we are. Can you imagine getting on a plane and someone says you're gonna <laughs> die on this flight? And they're like what? the plane's gonna crash. They're like, no, you'll survive the crash. An alligator's gonna eat you. You're like, Are you serious? You're like,
1: wow, challenge number two has entered my life.
0: Yeah, that's that's like jumping out of the pot and into the fire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So so unfortunate. Those poor people. That's
1: exactly what happened. Flashlights were not part of the safety equipment on commercial airlines at the time. So the flight attendants that survived the crash needed to come up with another method to call attention to survivors. They decided to have everyone sing Christmas carols. Not only did it keep up morale, apparently, but it allowed rescuers to find them. There's a funny little thing. I didn't write this down, but now it popped in my head. When they were singing Christmas carols, everything was fine. They were like, okay, good. This is working. Like People can hear them. And then they got to Frosty the Snowman, you know, the whatever jingle Mm -hmm. that is. And everyone was like, "Eh." (laughs) like, apparently, like, one of the flight attendants was like, that was apparently no one knows that song. So we switched it up. But I thought it was interesting because I started thinking about it. And I'm like, I don't know the words to that either. I have no idea how it goes. Do you?
0: Man, Frosty the Snowman. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. There's something about like his nose, something and, and scarf, a scarf. Yeah,
1: man. That's all I know. Yeah, I just thought it was, it was a little levity of the situation because you're like, I can just see everyone kind of drifting off. Like, what the fuck are the words of this? But anyway, I mentioned earlier that the official website dedicated to Flight 401, and so the cool thing about that is they had photos and tributes, literally mini stories of passengers about why they were taking the flight, and who they were visiting. So kind of like their own personal experience. Like, for example, there was a woman who decided to take a flight a day earlier than her husband to ensure that if anything happened to either parent, there would be someone there to take care of the children.
0: Oh, my God. Right?
1: This is insane.
0: I mean, they were paranoid, and the sad thing is they were right. They
1: were right. (laughs) I hate that.
0: I hate that a lot. Wait, so how many people survived?
1: Oh, we'll get to that.
0: All right, all right.
1: I'm just, I'm just easing you in. Another couple, newlyweds, decided at the last minute to switch flights, and they ended up on flight 401. Another man proposed to his girlfriend on the flight, which she accepted, and they proceeded to drink champagne for the rest of the flight. One passenger, his name was Jerry Eskow, was so pleased with the flight, he decided to write a letter to Eastern Airlines and plan to deliver it when they landed. He oh was like, he was like, like this whole, oh, it's so great. Everyone here is amazing. It's so, a beautiful plane. He like totally. Drunk. I know. <laughs> I totally don't know. I think like, it was just like really totally happy.
0: something that like drunk people do. They're like, man, this is a really nice flight. I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to tell them how good this flight is. People are like, come on, you're just drunk. Hey,
1: Realize. this is the kind of letter anyone would like to receive. So I I it's agree. fine. Now with this guy, uh, Jerry Eskow, I don't know if it was the first guy that Bud saved, but he was eventually saved by Bud, the guy that was driving the airboat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he did survive, the guy writing the letter.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
1: That one I didn't know for sure, because I was trying to like connect the dots with a lot of these survivors mm-hmm. in the, in the, on the website. I'm like, wait, because they gave this whole spiel of who was on the plane, and then like a few pages later, they described who survived, yeah. and I, it was hard for me to remember which name was what, but this one I know for sure. Another couple were on their way to see family to show off their newborn, but before anyone gets bummed out, during the crash the baby did slip out of the mother's hands. But after 20 minutes of searching, the mother was able to find her crying baby about 40 miles or, or not 40 miles, 40 feet away.
0: 40 miles is no. like what the
1: heck? <laughs> did you throw it out the window? Uh, no, no, no. It was 40 feet away. The baby was found tangled up in some wire and, but otherwise was totally fine. Oh my God. Yeah. In total, 103 people died, either on impact or later from their injuries, either at the Everglades or in the hospital. Or crocodiles. Or that, yes. And 73 survived, as well as a poodle, like a little doggy, that a passenger had with them on the flight. Both captains died, and only Don Adeo, the technical officer who tagged along in the cockpit, survived. So also Don Repo eventually died, but he died in the hospital. He was the okay. engineer that was in the hellhole. Hell hole. Yeah.
0: Was he in the hellhole when it crashed? Yes.
1: As far as what I understand, that's that's okay. where he was. The survival numbers are surprisingly high. Considering, yeah, that's
0: very high for a plane.
1: Right? Uh, considering the crash was at around 200 miles an hour. What saved so many was that the plane was gradually descending parallel to the ground. Also a while. um right and the, oh, it definitely bounced a couple of times.
0: And it was also wet ground and
1: Yeah, the mud absorbed some of the impact. Most of the deaths occurred in the aircraft midsection. There could have been potentially more deaths from blood loss, but oddly enough, the mud acted as a wound sealant enough to stop survivors from bleeding to death. However, that same mud also contained harmful bacteria Mm. that eventually caused, like, life-threatening infections, infections, but they eventually were treated, so it was okay. It was kind of, like, worth the risk. Yeah. What I found impressive was that 17 survivors had minor injuries, so minor, they weren't even admitted into the hospital. It was like a scratch on their, like, arm or something.
0: Oh,
1: my God. Right? It's just so wild.
0: I wonder if they ever flew again.
1: You know, I'd like to know that, too.
0: I think if I were ever, if I ever survived a like massive airline plane crash, that would probably be it for me in flying.
1: I think that would be super hard to overcome. I mean, I, we all have our daily challenges or challenges that we went through when we were kids or whatever your story is, and we never go back to them. Either we suppress them or we forgive them, mm-hmm. whatever it is that your mind needs to do to get through something. But this one, this one, yeah, I have no idea how anyone could get back on a plane. I have no idea,
0: yeah, because you, you didn't even know you were crashing until you're crashing. Like, the assumption exactly. is with most of these flights, you there's like an emergency, the face masks come down, you can tell there's a problem, there's heavy turbulence, something crazy like that. And I'm pretty sure just with this, and was the TWA flight 800, 600, 800 uh, yeah. that just exploded, and, yeah, yeah, and we they're still trying to figure out well there's a lot of concerns about that I sure yeah anyway yeah that's terrifying
1: it's okay so here's the thing I wonder what would people prefer I mean do you prefer the panic before or do you think this was a more I, I don't know ideal situation I'm not saying crashing is great but if you had to I don't know
0: am I dying or surviving
1: maybe you're surviving
0: I was like, because if I'm dying, I don't want any panic. I'd rather just be instantaneous and within a few seconds it's over. Yeah. If I survive, I'd rather deal with the panic. Really? Oh, yeah. Because I think the lack of panic would give you severe, massive anxiety that anything bad can happen at any moment. Whereas if there's the panic and there's an issue, you're like, yes, I can... You're still able to see the danger as it's happening. You may still be worried and have a while that you're like, oh, I think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to die. But... It, it's kind of like imagine you're standing in your house and then all of a sudden something just goes tearing through your walls all of a sudden you mm-hmm. didn't hear anything or whatnot. Now you're terrified the rest of your life that you could be in a totally safe place and it just seems like you could Chaos. die any second. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I would want the panic because it at least goes in line with how we're used to dealing with traumatic and dangerous situations as opposed to it being unexpected.
1: So I know what you're saying. I think I'd prefer the... Uh... Goodbye. Or like just real quick, I, I guess maybe definitely different. And I don't have any other reason than the fact that I just don't like to feel shitty for long periods of time. So if we just reduce that in a couple seconds, that'd be pretty nice. Uh, yeah, no. So with this entire situation in the website that I was talking about, they have a lot of people say their personal experiences, the survivors, they, they were completely not just like on official records, but interviewed multiple times by reporters and whatnot. And they would describe it very similar to what I feel like you're afraid of, and what I would prefer. They'd say like, "Yeah, I, we were. I felt like when the first bump happened, it was like I thought really rough landing, and then all of a sudden, like it went up really high, and then bam, that's when the impact, or rather the the breakage, the, mm. the chaos would have occurred." Someone said, "I thought I was dreaming because it was so random." Another person couldn't even literally register what was happening until they landed they were like oh we just crashed it was so instant a few seconds basically of their lives that were incredibly traumatic so much information that most of them didn't even know what was happening and i thought that was interesting just because you never know what these situations are unless someone survives and fucking tells you right like you have no idea how humans will react to it
0: it's i think the biggest issue for me just has to do with how if you survive how you're going to be able to process traumatic things going forward. And right, right. I think the the more out of sorts it is, the harder it's going to be to get over. And that sounds like a very out of sorts situation.
1: Yeah, I can see what you're saying still.
0: I like I like my <laughs> drama to be understandable.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, you're like classic drama. Yeah, no, I, I prefer my drama out of nowhere and like I'll just figure it out. But yeah, I don't like things drawn out. Yeah, Maybe yeah. that's what it is. I don't know. Now, with Bud, Dickinson, and many of the rescue crew, who were also part of the situation, it did suffer some burns and cuts on their faces, arms, and legs. Because even though, sure, like, mud isn't going to cut you, but there was so much debris that anywhere yeah. they stepped, they were bound to get some sort of- Injury. Injuries. Sure. Luckily, they were able to be treated, and it was fine. So even if they got infections or even some burn marks, thank goodness everyone was okay. The results of the crash were determined to be human error.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Except for that damn little light that was actually broken. So it was the
0: light. the landing gear was down?
1: The landing gear was found to be down and locked in position when the wreckage was found. So it was... They could have landed. Absolutely working. Yeah, absolutely. The attention placed on the light and not on anything else is what caused the crash. They actually included this accident, this specific scenario, as part of flight training. They trained pilots for example like if anything like this ever happens again it doesn't matter how not matter but like how crucial it might be one pilot is always focused on the gears and flying and the other one is in charge of figuring it out so there's always someone like at least trying to control and not everyone just ignoring hoping it's on mm-hmm. autopilot everything's easy peasy no, no 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 that's not going to fly anymore they also added flashlights as standard equipment on the jump seats, so that's also nice.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: I mean, there's, like, a, a, a ton of little things that change It's shocking of it. to
0: me they didn't have flashlights in the 70s. Like, come on, man.
1: That one also, like, really? I don't know. I thought that was a little weird. There were also, like, alarms. Certain alarms won't just beep a couple of times anymore. They'll, like, beep incessantly. Example, I'm also yeah.
0: assuming a lot of modern planes, and I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure some of the safety features they have now is if the plain computer detects that your altitude is too low, yeah, the alarm will go off, but I think it will engage autopilot and force you back up.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that I remember reading in the article is that not only did they change the position of where the alarm is, they put it now in the front where Mm -hmm. everyone can see, like all these lights are going to come up and the beeping won't stop. It
0: should be right next to the altimeter.
1: Yeah, And well, it was before, kind of, but nothing really happened. You would hear like these soft beep, 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 or something like that sure, sure. is from what I what I was reading. And I'm like, well, that's freaking weird. But now they're like, it's kind of blaring. You can't even think, figure it out kind of stuff. Yeah. So it won't go away anymore. It won't be like the subtle cuteness in the background where you're like, oh, cool, we're like descending at a, an alarming rate. No, now it'll tell you it's alarming. So those are the couple of things that have changed since then. So I hope everyone is at least not totally freaked out. Safety standards, unfortunately, come because of an incredible consequence
0: every time there's a plane disaster planes get better they get better and better and better better. procedures get better yeah
1: and things have improved obviously we're we're fine trust me you're gonna be fine when you're flying but before we get into the haunting stuff i think we should get a little more drinky time
0: yeah she's been hitting the nog hard she's nogging it up i am this nog is delicious quick break All right, it looks like Lily's been renogged. nogged So uh, we can continue with this incredibly terrifying plane crash.
1: Yeah, so I just realized, not just realized, but I'm like, wow, eggnog is probably not the best thing to drink when you're going to be talking a lot. Your mouth gets a little coated. It's uh, not as refreshing down the throat, I will say. We
0: talked about this earlier. The last thing eggnog needs is more hate. You oh, love yeah. it. It's perfect. It's the best drink ever. We're good.
1: But warning, they should put a warning. Do not make a speech. Before eggnog. Not necessarily eggnog.
0: podcast friendly.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the hauntings, in my opinion, this story was terrifying enough on its own, especially during a season in which airplane travel is very common. It's at a peak. Oh, yeah. But the story of Flight 401 doesn't end here, as one would predict. See, Oh, no, go ahead.
0: I'm just curious about these hauntings. Like, is that patch of Everglades haunted? Or are people (laughs) seeing ghosts from the flight at their own homes? Like, when you're seeing this haunted, I'm like, where's this haunting going? So I just, I think it would be really funny if there's a patch of Everglades people are like, that's like ghost patch. Ghost patch. Or something. But anyway, I'm curious. Inform me.
1: Well, yes. Uh, the, (laughs) The crash site has since been deemed as haunted. Really? Yeah. Not long after the crash, a man was frog gigging on his boat when he saw a face of a woman just below the water. When he got a little closer, the woman's face appeared to be screaming and then disappeared. He couldn't find any signs of her, but let's face it, he wasn't really looking. He just booked it. He's like, He I'm wasn't mad like
0: here. maybe there's a girl trapped under the water. He's like, Well, nah. he did he
1: did look around, like, where did she go? Like she just disappeared in front of me and so if you can't see anyone already you're probably not going to be able to find them
0: now uh, now here's the golden question mm. did he know that was the site of the crash or was he freaked out and then he went home and then he's like i saw this people like you were near the crash site because that makes it a way more compelling ghost story than him being like so i was in like the crash site you know <laughs> like well, yeah
1: i think he probably knew a mm-hmm. little bit
0: mm-hmm.
1: i i just i feel like this would be a strong local,
0: absolutely lore yeah.
1: storytelling. You know what I mean.
0: I can't imagine the Everglades has so much crazy human-related history, right? That people are like, "Oh, I forgot about the plane crash," because just so much happened. Oh, right. Here. <laughs> Aside
1: from like a guy getting bitten by a snake, maybe, or something right. like that, but otherwise, like big traumatic, tragic incidents. Yeah. No, not so absolutely. much. There have been countless sightings of strange lights emerging from the water, which people call marfa lights or will o wisps. The, uh, these, oh, I know. Willow West. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, these lights are often associated with the paranormal or Uf- so, UFC UFO sightings is what I was going to say. Uf- <laughs> UFO, <laughs> <laughs> UFO sighting. <laughs> so Those UFO from the octagon. Yeah. People have also reported seeing apparitions coming out of the water or walking through the foliage, which would be incredibly difficult. Again, if a real person did this, they would be, they wouldn't be walking very far. There's yeah. just so much stuff here. Usually these apparitions are in tattered clothing or naked with burn marks. Very horrible.
0: I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. Considering the situation. Right.
1: Uh, it's on theme. There aren't as many haunted stories on the ground, though, because there are countless in the air. Wait, what? Oh, yeah. Here we go. According to multiple Eastern Airline employees, they experienced paranormal activities shortly after the crash.
0: Like, shortly, you mean like? That night or or within a month? like
1: that year.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. The company did not appreciate this kind of attention, so to prevent any employees from reporting anything, they'd send them straight to a therapist or threaten to fire them. Now, I'm in no way defending Eastern Airlines for their discipline methods, but I also wouldn't want my flight attendants or pilots to be really freaked out and telling passengers, you know, any of these stories. I think they're just kind of going... Damage control, I think there's a lot of um, PTSD happening maybe with a lot of these people. So I think they were trying to figure it out at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I can imagine a lot of people are already nervous travelers, and they're going to be especially nervous flying on a company that just had a plane (laughs) crash. And I think it would just be the icing on the cake if your uh, stewardess came by and they gave you your like Sprite or whatever you're drinking on the plane. Mm -hmm. And they're like, by the way, if you see any ghosts...
1: I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: I'll be like, I am never flying. I was
1: again. like, what? Actually, I'd be like, where? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I need this.
0: The only spirits I want are in my drink because I'm scared <laughs> to be flying, brah.
1: Double spirits, cute.
0: <laughs> oh my god! Did Eastern get renamed Spirit Airlines? Is that what happened? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> sorry, bad joke. But isn't making fun of Spirit Airlines like the on-trend thing to do right now? I don't I'm just know. Trying to be Probably. Relevant.
1: You're just trying to be cute. It's all. Okay, so here we go. March, 1973. So this would have been uh, like three like, months. Oh, yeah,
0: like four months or three. Yeah, something three like months, that. Three months, yeah. Because you said 72, not 71.
1: 72 was in December 29th. So oh, okay, yeah, so yeah, just got very, very shortly ahead. after.
0: Yeah.
1: After Flight 401 crashed, two flight attendants were, who were really good friends were working together on Eastern Airline Flight 318 heading to New York to Fort Lauderdale. They mm-hmm. recalled the flight being basically uneventful, until it was time to serve the beverages. The procedure was that half of the attendants were on top of, or so on the top floor, this is a two-story plane, serving the food passengers, while the other half was below on the second floor preparing snacks and drinks in the kitchen area. As everyone was finishing up, one of the friends was like, oh, I'll go see what my friend is up to, and maybe she needs help. So from the passenger level, she goes into the elevator, heading down to the second floor, Coincidentally, at the same time, the other friend finished prepping the snacks and drinks decided to see her friend on the top floor. So she took the elevator at the exact same time. So they just like, just miss each other. Sure. This story is going to get a little confusing if I don't add names. Trust me, I tried writing it the other way and I'm (laughs) like, who am I talking about now? So here we go. The friend who was on the first floor who was serving, we'll call her Sarah, serving Sarah. And the friend who was in the second floor in the kitchen, we'll call her Kit. Got it. When Kit arrived on the first floor, she realized after asking the other flight attendants that Sarah went down to the second floor to find her. So she's like, okay, I guess I'm going back down. Kit gets on the elevator, but when she arrives, she sees that the kitchen is completely empty. Now it's important to note that the second floor had two rooms. The kitchen, which is where the elevator is located. And then there's a second room towards the front of the plane that had a lounge area. The door to the lounge area was closed, so Kit just figured that's where Sarah is. She's probably hanging out in there. Kit's like, well, it's time to prep the food anyway. I'll talk to her when she comes out. And after a few minutes, there was nothing. So she's like, okay, whatever. There literally wasn't a reason for Kit to know this, but she, well, the way she recalls it, she's like, I was 100% sure Sarah or someone was in the lounge area. I can just, I just feel it. Kit described the feeling overwhelming, so much so that, in fact, after a few more minutes, Kit became uneasy, like almost scared. Like, why isn't anyone coming out? Like, really paranoid.
0: Like, how big is this lounge area?
1: Um, not super big, but, like, maybe our bedroom or something like that is my guess. Kit finally decided to check out the lounge herself. She's like, whatever, I'm going to go find Sarah. But when she opened the door, no one was in there. Now freaking out, she ran towards the front of the lounge and checked closets and any nooks and cranny that could have hid a person because she was so convinced someone was there and they're like, they're playing a practical joke. This isn't funny. Even now, realizing that she's alone, still had this intense feeling that someone was watching her. Mm. So at first she wasn't sure. She was like, oh, someone's here. That's why I feel this way. Now she's like, oh no, I feel this way because I don't feel safe. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Scared out of her mind, Kit put her back against the wall as she made her way back to the elevator. That's how scared she was.
0: Weird.
1: When she reached the kitchen area, she bolted to the elevator, practically hyperventilating. And finally, when she reached the first floor, she burst out of the elevator and fell onto another attendant. The other attendant asked, what's wrong? Because Kit looked pale and sweaty. But before Kit could answer, the attendant was like, follow me. Both women walked around the corner and there was Sarah sitting down practically in tears. It turned out that when Sarah went down to find Kit, she had the exact same experience. Um,
0: she thought she was in the lounge.
1: Mm-hmm. Same uh. thing. I mean, it would have gone a lot quicker since Kit was the one who was preparing the food. She probably was like, I don't see her, but I feel like someone's in the lounge. Same exact situation. Both women claimed that they never had anything like this happen before and they truly cannot explain it. Even their coworkers vouched for them saying that they're really level headed and if they said something happened, something happened. Mm. So people would truly believe this.
0: So but they're fine, right?
1: Oh yeah, they're totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nothing else happened, but like it's kind of the first beginning of no one suspecting these place planes to be haunted. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I feel like think of a ultra safe, safe, safe space. You're like, I fly all the time, planes are my thing. I never feel threatened yeah, when I'm don't on a plane. Live on
0: these planes. Right. It's not like an old home that's had like forty people pass away over the years. Uh, no, this not is, at all. This is a manufactured flying these
1: box. planes did not exist in the eighteen hundreds, no ghost children whatsoever. Yeah, because we
0: know if it wasn't from the eighteen hundreds.
1: <laughs> that's when it would be haunted. Interesting. Yeah. So we're like, what is happening? So at the time, the flight attendants couldn't make sense of it, but that might be because they didn't know that Flight 318 contained some original parts of Flight 401. Wait, wait, wait. It contained chunks of the plane. So, like, here's the thing. Um, When it crashed, again, the reason why there was also a lot of survivors is because it wasn't at an incredible, devastating impact. And even the parts that, like, might have flown off or were attached to the bigger part of the plane were in perfect condition Wait, you're
0: telling me they reused parts of a crashed plane
1: absolutely yes they did now they also like tested them they were making sure they were fine so it wasn't like the worst thing in the world probably
0: you know i'm not an expert in any of this stuff <laughs> but there is something here that just does not settle with me it
1: didn't settle well with me either but the more articles i read and people were talking about like the mechanics of it like these were probably these were Parts were safe. Like there's nothing really wrong with them, and it's like a multi-million-dollar plane with multi-million-dollar parts. And I think that they were crashed. like that crashed. <laughs> hey, is that light? So like as long as they're not using that tiny light, I'm pretty sure it's fine.
0: Man, we had a a light replacement put in our car, uh, a tail light,
1: mm-hmm. because
0: ours had it had become broken. Like its its fasteners gotten broken. So I brought it to a body shop to get taken care of, and he said. Well, I can get one a lot cheaper, but it's used. It's coming off of a salvage vehicle and I was like, Oh yeah, that's cool. And then I remember after I told him that and I was I was at home just thinking about it, I was like, what uh, if that came from a car from a car accident where people died? Uh-huh. And that didn't settle well with me, but so far I haven't experienced any of the crazy <laughs> stuff in our car's lounge yet. No. So. Our,
1: ca- our car's lounge la- Is that the back scene? <laughs> yeah, that's where I lounge. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I I still live in fear of that, but hopefully nothing will happen. Knock on
1: wood. Oh, God, you really did knock on wood? I always do. (laughs) Okay, so that's what's happening.
0: Man, that's ridiculous. Yeah, so the,
1: the theory here is that maybe these parts came with a ghost, you know? One month later, the same plane, Flight 318, was at Newark Liberty in New Jersey boarding passengers before heading to Miami. The senior flight attendant did their routine headcount to make sure that everyone was on board and seated.
0: So let me get this straight. Yes. They said, we're going to reuse parts for this crash plane. <laughs> and you know what else we're going to do? We're going to use it on a uh, plane that is only ever
1: flying to Florida. To Florida. I mean, these were the most common parts of, or like the, the routes. Routes. Thank you. And it, it just, it what it was And this company still, it wasn't like that one plane was the only plane or model. So only the L-1011s, I forgot what they're called, contained these parts. So not all their planes, just some of their planes.
0: All right, all right.
1: Okay, so she's counting head counts, making sure everyone's on board. When finished, she realizes that there was one too many.
0: Mm, Because they're reusing passengers from that flight, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They're cheap, okay?
0: Can we fill this up with, like, ghosts or some shit? Yeah,
1: that would be great. Figuring that she miscounted, she tried again, but again, there was one too many. When she made it back to the front of the plane, facing the first class passenger, she noticed that a man dressed in an Eastern Airline pilot uh, was seated in one of the chairs. This wasn't necessarily weird. If you remember, it's called deadheading when a pilot hitches a ride to catch another flight. Yep. Apparently, it was also common in the 70s to not inform a flight attendant when this was happening. Like They would just oh. like be like, I'm just going to be on here. Deal with it. The attendant was like, oh, I guess I'll introduce myself. So she walks over and says hi and asks if he's deadheading and, you know, where are you going? Pleasantries. By the way, the entire time she's talking to this guy, he's basically ignoring her. He's just looking ahead, not even acknowledging her presence.
0: All right. I'm betting it's Bob.
1: It's, ooh, Bob. Okay.
0: Because I know his name. (laughs) (laughs) There were four people in the front and I know one name.
1: That does help. That does help. So, for a few minutes, she's just standing there, like I said, awkwardly waiting for a response, but still nothing. She starts asking again, and at this point, another flight attendant comes over because they notice something is off. Mm-hmm. The two just look at each other, confused, and finally, the senior attendant's like, whatever, I'm going to inform the captain and see if he can talk to this guy. Yeah, You stay here, I'll be right back. The senior attendant and the captain come back, and by now, the passengers have taken notice and were curious, looking also at the man to see what's happening. The captain bends down to look closer and as soon as he sees his face he yells and says in basically disbelief that's Bob Loft.
0: Ha! Bob!
1: Bob! And uh, the captain was actually friends with Bob. He knew him really well. So he knows if he's looking at Bob that's Bob. Everyone turned back to Bob and in that instant he vanished into thin air. Everyone who witnessed this The captain, the flight attendants, the passengers were in instant panic.
0: You're saying a bunch of people saw this all at once? Like
1: passengers, like people who wouldn't even know, but they saw him disappear. So they were like, who the fuck is Bob? But like, whatever, Bob disappeared. This is not cool.
0: I don't know how to judge myself because (laughs) at this moment, I always thought, I was thought, man, why is it there's always just one witness to these things? Why can't we ever see things with a bunch of witnesses? And then you tell me a story where there's a bunch of witnesses. And for some reason, my first thought is, they're all full of shit.
1: Yeah. And then I'm like,
0: oh, I was like, I'm that guy where you just can't win with me. You can't
1: win because, (laughs) like, these are different people, different situations. They have nothing to gain or maybe lose, actually, if anything. That's
0: terrifying.
1: Yeah. Like, basically, every passenger was now in hysterics, obviously. They were yelling, getting up, and demanding to be let out. The attendants and the captain went into work mode and tried basically calming everyone down, even though they were freaking out deep inside when interviewed. But they got it together. Once everyone was seated again, other attendants went searching for the mysterious man, convinced that he must be somewhere on this plane. Yeah, like he, yeah. People don't just disappear. But after an hour of searching, they came to the terms that this man was nowhere to be found. Somehow, everyone calmed down enough, and the plane did head to Miami. So they were like, we're not letting you guys out. We're all in this together now. We're going to Miami. Immediately after landing, the crew members that witnessed the disappearance reported the incident to the company. Naturally, soon after, other employees heard about what happened and wanted to read the reports for themselves. Only a few captains and maybe like a flight attendant, I think, read about the incident the day it was written into the logbook. But not long after, when others requested to read the reports, the logbooks mysteriously vanished.
0: Oh, the company was like, we don't need any uh uh-huh, they
1: realized this is getting yeah. big. They just denied it completely, saying no one ever reported anything. Literally, like, denied not just that, oh, where did this logbook go, saying, no, no one ever approached us about a haunting. What are you talking about? Which is weird because the crew members who reported it still insisted it was true. They would be like, like they're full of it. We literally reported this and we saw this. You want to hear my story? Here it is. Also, the few pilots that had read the reports also corroborated saying, no, we did see there was a log report. Like we saw that report too. But the executives were like, I don't know. You're crazy. Very strange.
0: Did you get to hear interviews with any of these people? Like, on YouTube or something? Not,
1: no, 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 not like video, but only uh, transcripts, I guess.
0: Of the, uh, from people who saw the vanishing
1: Bob? Um, The vanishing Bob, I did see, or like little sentences, like uh, quotes and stuff like yeah, sure, that, but sure. not sure. an entire think because the logbooks were gone. So whatever official transcript, no one had, but people were writing down what they were saying. So I guess yeah. it's more or less the same stuff. Okay, yeah. okay. Now, unlike the logbooks, the company was unable to hide the countless reports that came flooding in from other employees and passengers in the following years. These reports were only coming from people that were flying L-1011s, jets that had received the the plane crash parts. Yeah. Bob Loft made several appearances. Even an Eastern Airline executive saw the apparition himself, one of the very people that were trying to deny these claims.
0: I bet he's like, you know what we shouldn't have done? Used parts from a crashed plane.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. We gotta exactly. solved
0: this issue.
1: This would have been very preventable. The executive was sitting on his seat waiting to depart when he and another passenger saw Bob Loft as clear as day before vanishing as well. The guy got up, the, the executive... And ran off the plane, scared out of his mind. <laughs> he didn't even stick around.
0: Well, wouldn't you too? Because if you see the ghost, you're like, alright this is an ominous thing. This is an
1: omen." Yeah, and right? you're like,
0: "Does this mean this plane's gonna crash? Yeah, or am I paying for some evil stuff I did?" Or?
1: <laughs> exactly. So, like when he when he leaves, he's so scared, but also really angry that he orders other employees to look for Bob Loft impersonator person, because clearly this is a prank, to to find him. But, of course, after two hours, I think, because he kept telling him, try again, try again, no one found anything. There's nowhere to hide. So it's very strange.
0: So I have the question that's on everybody's mind. All the listeners have this exact question about (laughs) Bob Ghost. Ghost Bob. Ghost Bob. All right. So, you know, this poor unfortunate soul, he decides he's going to get back on the plane. Mm Mm-hmm. Was he an aisle seat or a window seat or a middle seat kind of ghost?
1: (laughs) He was in no one sitting here seat. Because he's hijacking here at this point.
0: I mean, I can't think of many things worse than spending all eternity wasting away as a ghost on earth stuck in the middle seat.
1: Yeah, that would be rough. That would be But he can like disappear and be like, bounce, I'm out. We don't know
0: what he can and can't do by his own will.
1: Perhaps, perhaps. I think it's basically very... (laughs) (laughs) Will-driven. I think he's doing whatever the hell he wants. And he's deadheading in the truest form possible. So no one was safe from seeing the apparition. One day, when the catering company was loading food onto the plane, an employee saw a man wandering around in the kitchen area. When he got a good look at him, he recognized him as Don Repo. This was the engineer. The employee started talking to him, asking, what are you doing here? But before there was an answer, poof, He disappeared. The employee was like, hell no. He ran out and he refused to ever enter one of those planes. On flight 318, so this was, again, that first one with the flight attendants, Yeah, Yeah, the pilots were in the cockpit during or getting ready for their flight when they heard banging sounds coming from the hell hole. Confused, one of the pilots climbed down and looked around, but no one was there. When he reached to get up, like he has to climb up the little ladder, he looks up and saw Don Repo standing in the cockpit, looking down at him before he disappeared. i mm. we're like, no, thank you. On a different flight, a passenger suddenly started screaming hysterically in the middle of a flight. When asked what's going on, she said a man appeared out of nowhere in an empty seat next to her and then disappeared. She was so hysterical that they had to like restrain her for the flight. And when they landed in Phoenix, she was like in a straitjacket and escorted out.
0: Are you serious? She was
1: so messed oh, up. Oh,
0: man. So there was a there was a, something like that that happened recently. It, it made it on the social media, and it was all this woman hysterical on plane saying, oh. she's like screaming, and, and, and she's pointing to the back when you can't see her, and she's going, that guy is not real. That was guy it a, is was not real. Was she pointing
1: at a real guy, though?
0: Well, yeah, so she was. You find okay. out later, it was a guy who, I think, I, I saw like a post by the guy she was actually yelling at, but like, oh. he apparently... <laughs> no. I don't know, he was like goth or wearing like Satan-y clothes or something oh, like this. Sure, and sure. it just like terrified her and her, and her reactions. But she freaked out and she had this whole idea that like He was and, Satan
1: or like and, a demon and, or something.
0: And everyone was freaking out because the initial video you didn't see the guy, you just saw her pointing towards the back plane. She's like, oh. That guy is not real and stuff, and you're just like, What is happening? But then when you, when other people start posting, you're like, okay, there's actually a guy, he she was just, I think, in an emotional state. And he was probably exacerbating it as some people like yeah, to do or something. I guess. But, yeah, I I think if I were on a plane and I started seeing weird stuff like that, I would assume I was having a episode. I'd be
1: like, I'm having a psychotic break. Yeah. Things are really weird. Bring the rum. I'm breaking. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I need rum. <laughs> but, yeah, so, you know, she was restrained. But I don't know. I don't know anything else about her, to be honest. Another flight, a flight attendant was checking the overhead lockers, you know, before takeoff. And she opened one of the doors, and there she saw Captain Bob's face staring back at her. By the time she yelled out that, oh my god, there's like a person in here, he was gone. But like, little things like that, you know what I mean?
0: Do you ever wonder if ghosts are just wandering around all the time, and the only reason they disappear is because someone notices them?
1: But why would you... (laughs) I guess so. But yeah, my my reasoning is like, why do you want to be noticed? To be honest, what if do they
0: don't want to be noticed, but all of a sudden they get seen? Like, ah, oh, damn. Oh uh, yeah, like I did they it can again. See
1: me, and he's like, poof.
0: Like I forgot, I unclenched or something, and yeah. all of a sudden they could be seen.
1: <laughs> Let his guard down. He was like in a little, what was it, uh, overhead locker? Who would ever look in there?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So another flight attendant saw Don Repo's reflection on one of the oven doors in the kitchen when she ran to get a fellow crew member cuz she's like am i crazy they both heard a voice say watch out for fire on this plane now nothing happened those two people apparently they were very like paranoid so they kept watch on the oven and stuff sure, like sure, that sure, sure. but nothing ever transpired okay, from it so, there so was, no fire no it doesn't no no fire uh, so aside from scaring the hell out of people it does seem that the ghosts have good intentions In one instance, a pilot entered the cockpit and was shocked to see Don Repo standing inside. This time, however, Don spoke to the captain and warned him of an engine malfunction before disappearing. Despite being shaken up, the captain decided to look into the issue. And as it turned out, there was something wrong and it was repaired before takeoff. So they were like, you have to delay this for whatever. Was it the phalanges? It was the phalanges. There were not enough. Not enough. So these stories lasted for about two years after the crash, before it stopped suddenly in 1974. Usually, we never really know why sightings stop. We either assume the spirits moved on, or there was just mass hysteria, like you said earlier. But my money is on the fact that Eastern Airlines decided to go to each and every plane that contained parts from Flight 401 and removed them. Oh,
0: did they really? Literally,
1: when they did that, boom, done. Everything stopped? Yep. Records did not specify a reason. None of the parts were faulty. But what we do know for sure is that once those parts were replaced, the ghost sighting stopped completely. That's all we know. And again, if you look at those records, no one's like, yeah, this part from Flight 401 is default because blah, blah, blah. There's no because. There's nothing. They were just removed. Replaced.
0: Interesting. I bet it's that executive who's like, yeah, we got to fix this.
1: Yeah, you might as well. He's like, look, I did see something, and whether or not it's psychological, let's just get rid of this, that that part, right? There is a TV movie called The Ghost of Flight 401. It's based off John G. Fuller's 1976 book, in case anyone wants to learn more. But otherwise, this is the end of my story.
0: Interesting. So, ghosts in the skies. Yes. Fly the ghostly skies. (laughs) Wow, that's terrifying. I never thought of ghosts on a plane.
1: Me either. Snakes maybe, but not ghosts. <laughs> Snakes what <is> happening? <laughs> <laughs> I saw the documentary.
0: Had it with these ghosts. <laughs> um, man, that was terrifying. I didn't know about this plane. Now, okay, I got to check out. We have to find out. Is this Eastern Airlines still a thing? Because I'd never heard of them.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I even looked it up. I, in my head, I think I just assumed it was, but I don't know.
0: They aren't around anymore. Oh, okay. Eastern Airlines was a major airline in the United States. I'm reading the Wikipedia, by the way, so this is me quoting Wikipedia, not sure. my own words. was a major airline in the United States that operated from 1926 to 1991. Oh, wow. And it was dissolved, uh, dissolution. But, but was so. it
1: absorbed, so not it just stopped, or...?
0: There were labor disputes and a crippling strike in 1989. Eastern ran out of money and was liquidated in 91. American Airlines obtained many of Eastern's routes. Mm. So did Delta. And U.S. Air acquired 11 of their 757s. No, it looks like they were completely torn apart. Routes were taken. Planes were taken. They're gone.
1: They're out of here. Wow. Yeah, Yeah, so... I don't know. It's a very strange. I remember when I first came across the story, I was like, no way. This is not going to be like a long story. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, a few sightings of ghosts here and there. Maybe people like you said, like they saw a goth person and freaked out, thought it was a ghost. But no, like there was an entire real people, real crashes, flight attendants, pilots, executives, passengers, the whole gang. You know what I mean? Like everyone saw something at some point within those two years. And yeah, that, to me, insane. is incredibly compelling. Uh, it's one of the better stories I've ever read as far as, like, proof in a way, even though it's still on a first-person account versus video or recording and things like that, because you just can't get that many pe- people, in my opinion, especially in different circumstances, not just, like, one incident that people believe. They were random.
0: And a lot of these people worked for the company. This, this could be damaging to their uh, reputation. Yeah,
1: you don't just, like fall into being a flight attendant or pilot or yeah. engineer or whatever. You know what I mean? You, you have to work at it, and it, to get a reputation is, is
0: important. And, and it's also important to note for people that, you know, most of us, we fly every now and then, but these flight attendants are on multiple flights a day. Exactly. So for a very, it's not like they're nervous about the flight. No. It's not like they're in a weird, stressful situation like a lot of passengers are. This is normal every this is just like their normal job. So for them to see something weird, it's not going to be influenced by stress. I mean stress. it's
1: routine. It's it's basically a dance. It's very calcul you know everything they yeah. do is very specific and unless something weird happens, nothing's ever going to change that. Yeah, it's it's wild, man. I'm
0: just happy that I feel vindicated when I said I can't believe they Put parts from the crash plane <laughs> in there, and then they yeah. had to them. I feel a little vindicated for that.
1: I was a little like taken aback when I first read that. I couldn't believe it either. I'm like, this is weird. Yeah, I feel like really a bad, weird. bad omen, bad vibes, man. But like, I don't think engineers are thinking about that. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, let's put some bad vibes in this plane. No, they're like, this part works. It's perfect condition. This would be dumb not to yeah.
0: do. Yeah, I'm, I also feel a little better about not knowing Eastern because they went out of business when I was six. And, yeah,
1: I don't think I had heard of it, or at least not commonly, so I yeah. wasn't sure.
0: I mean, I know about TWA because I flew on that when I was a kid before mm-hmm. they went out of business. And the only reason any of us know Pan Am that are under the age of like, I, I'm just spitballing here, like 45, is because they just became the de facto playing company to use in movies because since they're gone, uh, and any time a movie takes place before, I can't remember when they went out of business, but let's just say, before 1980, they could always just use Pan Am stuff, because the company isn't going to sue them.
1: Yeah, there's they no could one left. They just
0: Pan Am, because people like, that company did exist. So we all know Pan Am, but Eastern, never heard of them before. Interesting. This was a good story. Horrifying. Those, <laughs> yeah. poor, those poor people in the, car, at the oh, car crash, the plane crash. It's
1: awful. It's awful.
0: Man, surviving a plane crash, that's rare. We usually hear about it. It's like one woman who like survived a plane crash and had to live in the Amazon for like 10 years before she was found, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah,
1: I remember that story. That was a really good one. You know what I'm
0: talking about. I do. Yeah. Yeah. This was just crazy. Like you land in the Everglades and it's just so dark. You can't see anything.
1: Mm -mm, Nothing. And uh, I remember in some of the people, you know, like the interviews that were taken out later is like they were smelling jet fuel. Like people were like, not just now in debris, or tied up to a chair, or had a broken mm-hmm. leg, they can literally smell gasoline, and they're like, I can burn alive any second. So there's like this added level of fear that was also going on in that very moment, because it was just everywhere, yeah. apparently. And, and that's horrible.
0: You know, and actually, this to try to get a good message out of this, those those two guys on the, mm-hmm. the fan boat who help people really awesome guys heroes all that stuff. Yeah, good I think stuff. like
1: Bud, I know well they mentioned Bud, but I'm assuming the other guy too. They got like a reward and you know they were like definitely held in high regard like thank you so much for your service. I don't know what happened to them after that, but like cool guys for sure.
0: Well, but what I was going to say is they had no intention of going out there expecting to rescue people, but no. then it happened. And I think this is just a good indicator that you guys should always have, like, first aid kit and some emergency stuff in your cars. Mm-hmm. Or if you have a boat, stuff like that. Like, you should have a flashlight. You should have a bandage. You should have some basic stuff because you never know when you're just randomly driving that you might have to help someone. Or, or yourself. Or yourself. Yeah. So th- just as a reminder, if you guys don't have an emergency kit in your car, you should get on that. Like
1: I travel with a mini... Happen. First aid kit when we travel. Not because of the plane crash situation. That's not going to help. But like any others, you never know. You literally never know.
0: But we have, one of the things we have is it's a flashlight, but it's the kind that you you pump it and it generates its own electricity Mm -hmm. so you don't have to worry about a battery wearing out. And you can buy those on Amazon. Those are good things. So yeah, you never know when you might have to help Something hopefully never as crazy as a plane crash. But, yeah, those people were there and his little headlight lamp that he had. His
1: headlight was everything. Because
0: I'm sure he needed it to the frog doodling or whatever they were doing. Okay,
1: so frog egging. I don't know if anyone knows what that is, but it's basically when you have a stick and it has, like, a couple spikes at the end and you just, like.
0: Stab frogs? Yeah,
1: you just catch. To eat. You're not, like. Oh, I
0: figured. Sadistic.
1: Yeah, Yeah, no, no. You're actually eating Plenty of people
0: eat frogs, but I mean, Yeah, Yeah, of course. I mean, frog ain't bad, but I don't really think it's worth it to go out in the middle of the night to go stabbing frogs. Like, I think
1: it's the fun of it. I mean, no one needs to go fishing. You can just go to the store. Yeah, yeah. But it's just for fun. For funsies, <laughs> I guess. I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, that was an awesome story. Uh, you I mean, welcome. horrifying, awesome. Great. I liked it. it. It was a beast of a story. I it was a
1: lot of information.
0: So I've got a little something for you. Back in November, Lily and I went to Durango to celebrate our friend Lisa's birthday. We stayed at the historic General Palmer Hotel, which is a vintage hotel that maintains a period style reminiscent mm-hmm. of like the late 19th, early 20th centuries. A little westerny kind of that whole thing. In trips past, we had stayed at the Stratter or Strater Hotel. I've heard people pronounce it both ways. And I, whenever I find out which one it's supposed to be, I always forget. So it's one I of those agree. Two. Me too. It's similar to the General Palmer in that it has kind of that old-timey presentation vintage style. But this is the first time for us at the General Palmer. It's a nice hotel to be sure. Pricey, but nice. Mm -hmm. Our hotel room not having a window was a little off-putting, though. We found out that windows, like window rooms, cost more. And I'm a cheapskate, so we went...
1: Cheap. I'm not going to lie. I don't know if I would have noticed if you hadn't pointed it out. I think I was in the room for noticed. a solid hour and you're like, there's no window here. Oh, or like you just said, I hate that there's no window. And I'm like, what? Oh yeah, look at that.
0: I'm a natural light fanatic and the men out have it. I felt like I was in a cave, but yeah,
1: yeah. I don't know. It's fine.
0: So we had long heard that the General Palmer was one of the haunted hotels in Durango and we were more than excited to chance a supernatural encounter. Sadly, we didn't experience anything. Mm-hmm. The hotel was mostly empty when we were there. Actually, the whole town of Durango was pretty empty when we were there. We were in a very off-season time. So I figured a mostly empty hotel might prompt an encounter. But like every Ghost Hunter TV show, nothing happened. <laughs> the only Rude. The only horrifying thing that we dealt with was that above our door was like a decorative glass uh, uh, window, yeah, yeah. it's above all the doors.
1: And stainless, it's like stainless glass, kind of right? like that. Yeah. yeah, not stainless. What is it called? Stained glass. Stained
0: glass. Yeah, I and said stainless. Like st- <laughs> it's stainless steel.
1: Stainless steel glass. Yes.
0: So the thing that sucks about that is the hallways are brightly lit, as they have to be for safety. Sure. So, it meant in the middle of the night, while we're lying down and all the lights are off on our room, our room was still pretty bright because there was so much light coming. It was into so this. hard
1: to sleep for me. I'm a light sleeper. And I feel like that just scared the ghosts away. That was uncool.
0: Yeah, the constant lights. We needed to find a way to turn off those lights, bring some scary stuff on. Right. So even doing research online, I found very little information about the General Palmer Hotel. Very little. Like, yeah. Shockingly little. Plenty of places say it's haunted. Like, there's... There's at least 50 websites out there that say the General Palmer is haunted, but it's usually along with saying the General Palmer, the Strader, and a few other places are haunted, and that's it. They will never mention the General Palmer in more context than saying it's haunted. No
1: personal stories on Yelp or TripAdvisor or whatever?
0: I I couldn't find anything. It's mentioned on ghost tours, haunted places, blah, 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 was not finding stories. However, I found a little something Okay, on the site. HauntedColorado.net, one word. (laughs) I came across some excerpts from an interview with Paula Nelson, who at the time of the interview was the general manager of the General Palmer, Mm. and she had been working there uh, 16 years. I have no idea when this interview occurred and when this was written, so I don't know if she still works there, what, the time frame or anything. Sure. But in this interview, she mentioned, quote, We had a couple check out at 2 a.m. in the morning. They said they were awakened in the night and saw a woman hanging in the middle of the room, end quote. Ew. Like, why would... Okay, so let's just say that they were making it up. What would they get away with by checking out at 2 a.m.? Do you think they were trying to get a refund by lying? Because, um, I mean, what? no hotel is going to give you a refund for seeing a ghost because they could I, easily go up there and say there's no ghost. Yeah. So I have a feeling they saw something terrifying and had to leave. 2 a.m.,
1: 2 a.m., that's, like, the worst time, especially if, like, if it feels like you've only been asleep for maybe a couple hours, that's not enough for a good night's sleep, and you're going to have to drive wherever you are, you know what I mean, back home, that sucks even more.
0: Alternatively, maybe they just had a huge fight, and they were leaving, and they're, like, we don't want to tell the person up front that we had a huge fight, because some people are, like, scared about personal baggage being out there, and, like, let's just say we saw a dead woman in the middle of the room.
1: That's the worst (laughs) cover story
0: Hey, we're talking about a couple that <laughs> fought, and decided oh to leave at 2 a.m. So I don't think making smart decisions is really their cup of tea. Man, that's when I, in this fictional. This is uh, a very, very
1: specific kinds of human beings because, like, I feel when if you and I ever get in a fight, or I've seen friends get in fights, the last thing you give a shit is what other people think, because you're in a. It, for me, like when I'm in a fight, I'm like, I'm right, and anyone who's around me can go suck it. And so, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think. Yeah, I, you and I, I me know. are
0: different. I still worry about other people. Yeah, I, I guess know we've we've actually had some fights where you're like, I don't care, and I'm like, but I do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: true. So maybe not.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm sure there's a lot of people like that with, for with either of us. Like, I think anyone can relate either way.
0: Mm-hmm. So this Paula Nelson also mentioned a story from years earlier while she was still a cleaner at the hotel. Quote. I was upstairs cleaning a room. There were no guests. It was winter and pretty quiet. And I heard my name called. No. It was so clear that I walked out into the hall, but no one answered back. It was really clear. There was no mistaking it. End quote. So that's all all I could get from her. Sure, sure. Hearing a name can be a little bit upsetting and... and and off putting. I mean last night I fell asleep on the bed while you were like oh, so yeah. and I honestly felt someone like grab my shoulder.
1: Oh you said you did you put your hand on my chest? That's what you said yeah, to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, I thought you
0: put your hand on my chest and I like I because it woke me up and I was like, Lily, what and but I saw you Far away from the bed, like you're brushing your teeth. I was brushing, I was
1: literally brushing my teeth, and I was like, What? I can't hear you.
0: And I was like, Did you just put your hand? You're like, No. And I was like, Well, that's weird. And it was very unsettling because I felt it. Like I woke up while I was feeling it. Like it was continuing while I was waking up. That's so creepy. And so, you know, sometimes when you have those feelings and you just don't know what to do with it in your head, and it was just, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, the name calling, I think, is, I feel like that's always unsettling for me because. It's so direct. It's mm-hmm. not like a residual haunting where you're like, ah, someone's just stuck in time or whatever. And it's not like someone who's just trying to find yeah. whoever's around, like I'm gonna scare you or I'm crazy. But this one is so personal. I'm like, is this a demon calling well, and, and me right now? And she also
0: heard it loud, like she didn't say it sounded like a creepy voice. I wasn't going like
1: Rachel. Yeah. It yeah. Wasn't-
0: <laughs> It was uh, it was like clear, so I'm betting it was just like, Paula, and she's like, what? And they, <laughs> she said the hotel was empty. There was no oh, one there. Oh, no. That would have been, that's when you wonder, is my mind playing tricks on me, or am I about to get visited by Captain Bob?
1: Captain Bob, uh, um, or the whatever, Spirits of Christmas. Yeah, something like that. I, I find those way more unsettling.
0: Yeah. So I found a website for a ghost hunter. He seems to ghost hunt on his own, and he also gets really drunk. Okay. Uh, and he writes, his, he writes his stories. He seems kind of a goofball. He investigated the General Palmer, and he too found the same story I did, because he mentioned it in okay. his story. But his own investigations found nothing. Aww. He seems like a goofball, because he would run up to the counter and claim, I demand to see the General Palmer. Uh, like, yeah. The oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> the guy.
0: Yeah. But he went to like Lady Falkenberg's to drink, which doesn't exist anymore, but that was one of our favorite crap bars that we yeah, used to go to. Yeah, yeah. So sadly, there wasn't much to find. What I did find, however, were far more mentions online of hauntings at the Rochester Hotel in Durango.
1: Rochester. I don't think
0: It's a it's walking distance from the Stratter.
1: What? Uh, How they I even know mentioned
0: this. a specific room in that hotel that's haunted. It's happening. And perhaps that's where we should stay next time.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely what we're saying next time.
0: Yeah, I wish there was more to say, but I think we just picked the wrong hotel to stay in for a ghost encounter. Not there's nothing wrong with the General Palmer. It's a very nice hotel. It's very you can nice. You stay there, but there uh, no evidence of scariness. So that's all I have. I wish, I wish I had more. We were hoping there was going to be more to talk about from a little haunted vacay, but it wasn't haunted, and we spent most of the time eating chocolate.
1: <laughs> I mean, it was a great time. <laughs> yeah, so we had a good time.
0: So since this is the last episode before New Year's, mm-hmm. I want to remind everyone that if you need a good horror film to ring in the new year, End of Days is a solid bet. It's the oh, only yeah. New Year's-themed horror film that I know of, and its visual depiction of the devil is, like, really creepy. I think it's one of the most interesting...
1: I thought they did a good job. Yeah,
0: so uh, we've talked about this movie before, so long-time listeners are, like, rolling their eyes because they've like, heard this, but it is an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Don't hold that against it. It's not like an 80s action film. It's it's a very creepy... It's it's atypical for these kinds of movies. that
1: would be, like, an incentive for me. I'm like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in a horror movie? More, please. Yeah
0: but I love this movie. It may not be for everyone, but I think it should be for everyone. So that just as a reminder that's a good New Year's movie. We're going to try to watch it at some point in the next couple of days. I yeah, know for yeah. sure. Lily and I have been really embracing the holiday season this year. We rarely do that, but we really did this year. And it's been a lot of fun, but I'm not going to lie. I've been getting that itch to start watching horror films again. (laughs) I'm getting a little too complacent and I need a little dreadful to take my mind off reality and all the real dreadfulness that exists in the world that I don't want to pay attention to. I like fake dreadfulness.
1: I like fake stuff too.
0: So if you're like me and you're looking for a good winter horror film, and by that I mean cold and snowy, not Christmas themed... I have a few recommendations for you, just if you're looking for some good ideas. Obviously, there's the ultimate classic, nothing better than The Thing. The 1980 Mm -hmm. John Carpenter's The Thing. Horror classic, Chills of Your Bones, More Ways Than One. We've talked about it a million, and I can go over it. If you haven't seen it, this is the ultimate, I want to feel cold while getting scared.
1: This year, we number one recommend this one.
0: Absolutely. If you've never seen it. And for all you zombie lovers out there, the horror film Dead Snow is super recommended. Undead Zombies and Chainsaws. What more could you Mm -hmm, want? mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. absolutely great. It's a fun one. And for the not quite zombie, but still very much a zombie film, I recommend 30 Days a Night. (gasps) Yes. We just watched this two nights ago. Well, it's very
1: much not zombie. Yeah, but they're
0: vampires, but they're like zombie vampires. uh, They're very animalistic. They're eating people. It's not the kind of glamorous, romanticized version of vampires. Like, this is probably the most brutal they're not integrated
1: they're their own thing and yeah. as
0: someone like me who isn't crazy about vampire stuff this is this is the way to do vampires to get me into it mm-hmm. and then we have frozen and i'm not talking the disney film either i'm talking the 2010 film where three <laughs> college age neer do get stuck on a ski lift overnight me and lily refer to this movie as oh come on the movie. <laughs> It's ridiculous. The plot requires so many unlikely events to happen in unison, but despite the high suspension of disbelief required, if you just let yourself enjoy it, there's a lot of fun to be had. The yeah. acting's good. There's some tension. You just have to let it happen.
1: Yeah, it's not like the longest movie either, so yeah, it's, it's just it's just fun early 2000s fun. Yeah.
0: So just keep those in mind if you're looking for, you know, nice, ice-cold Snowy, scary movies because I'm gonna start blazing through these because I just mm-hmm. I need to get my horror fix on. Absolutely. So yeah. I think unless you have anything else to add, that brings our episode to a close.
1: I don't. I think I talked enough and I want more eggnog, <laughs> so I'm good.
0: We got an escape room to go to right after this. I'm really excited for I that know. too. I'm gonna
1: have eggnog. In the shower. Is that a thing? It should be a thing. It should
0: be a thing. And you and me are both <laughs> pretty tired, so we're really worried we're going to do nothing at the escape room. Just watch people Our do friends
1: it. will finally be super disappointed in us. I think that's what's going to happen today. It's
0: like, oh, yeah, that's how you solve the puzzle. Yeah, I, w- I would have totally done that <laughs> late, later on. Good, good job. Good, good job. Good job, y'all. So we want to wish you all a happy new year. And if you are struggling to find a new year's resolution, might I suggest that you make it promising yourself to send us a personal scary story to hotwpodcast at gmail.com so that we can read it on our podcast in an upcoming listener story episode. I think
1: this this next one we have coming up, we are set, but it will be for the next one. But you should submit them now because you never know. Maybe we'll do a second one because it just depends on how many yeah. submissions we have.
0: We have a few on reserve that I'm excited about, too. Sure. Also, if you have any recommendations for haunted hotels we should stay at, we'd like to hear about those, too. To any new listeners, we hope you enjoyed it and make sure to catch our next episode or deep dive into any of our 100 plus episodes. And for our long time listeners at work or driving, have a safe day. And for those of you that are drinking, we hope your tomorrow isn't too rough. But if it is, don't worry because the best cure for a hangover
1: is fear.
0: Bye.